Hello, it's Larry Clark with Excelsior Music Publishing. We're going to take a little different approach to the From the Composer podcast today, and we're going to be talking to composers as they are asked questions by an actual music educator. So we're going to start today with composer Blair Balowski. Hello, it's Larry Clark, and we're doing another, another Meet the Composer video this morning, and we have with us Blair Balowski, who's the jazz editor at Excelsior Music Publishing who's going to be talking to Emily Ashbaugh. So Emily, take it away. Perfect. Well, it's so wonderful to be here. I am completely flabbergasted and honored to be a part of this. So thank you so much. I know my students are going to be so excited to watch this and it's just absolutely wonderful. Uh, I have a bunch of questions from my students that they are just really curious to hear uh, uh, all about. So I'm just I'm just gonna get rolling here. Uh, how did you get started in the uh, music okay. business? Oh my gosh! It um, when I was in the seventh grade. Well, I, I'll back up and start at the very beginning, and I'll just make it a short story. Enough. <laughs> like when I was in the third grade, I was listening to Pete Fountain, and that's probably way before your time. But he was a New Orleans clarinet player that. into this clarinet player so I wanted to grow up and be just like him um, so anyway I, I was involved in music early on I started taking clarinet lessons in the third grade and then did all the typical stuff that people do and went to college and got a music ed degree and uh, in saxophone performance and while I was doing that, a job opened up at a small publishing company called Jensen Publishing. I actually started the music publishing in 1983, um, which is going way back before your time. Uh, uh, things were really different than I started as a concert band editor. And being an editor at that point meant you were getting physically getting from composers that you would go through and mark up and send out to somebody to either engrave it or copy it or whatever needed to multiple step process um, so then Hal Leonard bought Jensen so I ended up at Hal Leonard I was there for 17 years and then I went to uh, work editor at Lorenz in Ohio and did the catalog there for 10 years. And it's just a great ride. I've always been involved in music publishing and I, I'm a player too. I play um, but music has always been really important to me and it, it seems like, I mean, I have a little kid and wanting to play the clarinet. So, or whatever that's worth, that's how I got started in music. Oh, I couldn't tell if you were if you were cutting out there for a second. Oh no, I just stopped talking. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> some of that you're cutting out a little bit for some of that. Oh yeah, my internet connection is kind of weird actually. Oh yeah. No worries. No, that's that's wonderful. Um, and that was actually, you answered some of, some of the second question here from one of my students um, about 
what were your sort of your first uh, musical influences and, and how they changed over the years? Oh yeah, golly. Well, Pete Fountain was uh, uh, he was really influential, and it helped like a classical clarinet player, obviously, but he had a really beautiful clarinet sound, and, and he was great with shaping the melody. So that influenced my playing. That was always one of my favorites and still is to this day. So that sort of school uh, standing uh, kind of coolish guys were, um, I think, influenced my playing. There, there's lots of writers that, that I've looked to over the years, uh, people whose arrangements I've played. Uh, and, um, Sammy Nestico, obviously, you can't you can't play in a school jazz ensemble without playing something of Sammy's. Yeah. So um, that that's uh, I, I guess those are my main music. Um, uh, I, you know, people often say, "Well, who 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 would be like?" And I guess I'm I'm not really trying to <clears throat> be like anybody at this point. I'm trying to. <clears throat> sort of find my own voice, always experimenting with stuff to, to see what comes next. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, this was actually one of, this is actually one of my questions uh, because I, I think it's not necessarily something the students, they're always, they're always looking for, you know, artists now and, um, you know, I always find that I'm introducing them to the oldies, right? Yeah. Because they're they're not they're looking at the new artists nowadays and everything, which is fine. But uh, I I was I was really curious about this one, uh, what it was like to uh, work with uh, Aretha Franklin. Oh my God! <laughs> yeah, I've played with some over the years. I've been really lucky to play with some yeah. really terrific musicians. And, a long list. Yeah. Um, Aretha was amazing. The, uh, the last time uh, she was in Milwaukee was one actually performed. And you could tell she wasn't herself. Um, <clears throat> um, she, um, she had just a glorious personality and she, um, she was, but she, she um, uh, she just wasn't herself at this last performance that I that I played with her for. But that was yeah, playing with her is definitely a highlight. <clears throat> one one of my favorites is is I I played with entire saxophone section to play with the orchestra, and he was just amazing. I I just thought that was a great series. So so are you cut out? You said you you played saxophone with with who? Who was that? Tony Bennett. Oh, Tony Bennett. Okay. Yeah, Tony Bennett and uh, Natalie Cole's my other favorite. She yeah. had a, she had a great show. Oh, fantastic! Yeah. How long ago was that? Um, well, I did Natalie Cole's show twice. I did her once when she was like in the Pink Cadillac phase, and then <laughs> I did uh, I did her show uh, uh, years later when she just after the Unforgettable album had come out. So that might be 20 years ago or so now, but yeah. <clears throat> and that that was a great show. That's one of the only times 
that, that I remember being on stage and like forgetting to come in because I was so caught up in the music. You know, in I'm the like, moment, oh, yeah. God, there's that <laughs> cool thing, the Phil Holman thing. I'm like, oh, yeah, you're supposed to be playing, dude. So I do that when I conduct. Yeah. I get too caught up in it. And then my students will, yeah, they'll, they'll catch me. They're like, hey, hey, you're off. And I'm like, sorry, you're playing so beautifully. <laughs> I got caught up in it. I do that all the time. Oh, wonderful. Okay. Um, so for the crossover for, you know, television and movies, was that, you know, your initially your intention when you first started off? Was that, you know, just what you're thinking like, you know, you're in your twenties. Okay. I want to make this crossover, um, you know, to, to television and to movies. Was that initially your intention or it just kind of happened naturally? No, it's sort of, it sort of happened by accident. I got connected with, uh, an artist and repertoire company in California. Uh, and, and they, so what they do is they collect writers and then they say to them, uh, we have a client who's looking um, uh, uh, a fast rock tune with some punk influences that talks about crazy love. So then if you have music that fits that category, you send it into them and they'll review it and that sort of stuff. So I, I just happened to hook up with the company and um, struck up a relationship and did some, some big band writing on a bunch of shows. Uh, like I've never had a, a TV show contact me directly. It always goes through a, a, like an, a management firm. So I sometimes I don't even know my music's been used until after, you know, it's it's been on the year, it's been on the air for a year, and then I'll, you know, it's like, so it's, but it's 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 oftentimes it's like background music. It's a lot of big band music. Um, so there'll be like, um, there was a movie called The Imitation Game, and in the in the in the background of one of the scenes was a big ballroom that I wrote. So that was cool. Yeah, I must. I I can't imagine hearing you know your your own music and you know you're watching and it's like wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really it's it's a different experience and I, and it doesn't. I, I mean, it's not like that's an everyday occurrence for me. Um, but it um, when it does happen, it's great. And and I, the first time it happened, I knew it was going to happen, and I got to, so I. So I started watching this show. It was an old show with James Caan in it called Las Vegas that hasn't been on the air for a long time. But I was watching the show, waiting for my music to show up, and I couldn't believe how much music there was in the in the show. Just like, like, oh no, that's not it. No, that's not it. No, oh, that's it. You know. But it took like some of these television shows have an amazing amount of music in and now there's so many cable shows and a zillion channels that lots of people are looking for music. So that's, there's a lot more opportunities actually to, to get your stuff out in, you know, the wives of New Jersey and stuff like that. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. It's never, it's never ending opportunities. You know, I, I, I tell my students all the time, you know, that all the time there's, there's so many opportunities for music out there and for a music career. And it's, it's, not necessarily that you're going to be, you know, always just going into one profession, just just going to be playing that one instrument. And there's just so many different fields you can go into, right? It's, it's never ending. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you have a lot of musician friends, and they they like they teach, uh, they have a church gig, they yeah. um, are playing, 
they're doing, uh, they're working someplace else that like they might have a day job, it's their regular job, but all, all of us have just like multiple things that we're involved in. Yeah, yeah exactly. Definitely multiple or like, you know, a side orchestra gig or they're, they're getting hired out or they're teaching stuff to the side. Yeah, no, I, I totally know yeah. what you mean. Yeah. yeah. Um, I used to be in, uh, working in South of Calgary and then I moved over here and it's just, it's very different, very different, um, areas. I'm noticing. Oh, really? Like yeah. the, the, the music scene or? The music scene. Yes. It's yeah. very different. Okay. Oh. <laughs> yeah. How, no, how, how's it different? Uh, uh, the blue scene is definitely different. Uh, oh, okay. And I'm away. I'm away from the city. So being away from the city is uh, is definitely you know definitely different. You can't the you know not being able to see as much live jazz unless I go into the city. So I definitely miss going down you know Calgary, going down Englewood, and yeah, yeah, I definitely miss that. <laughs> yeah, I understand that for sure. Yeah, but uh, you know it's it's uh, it's good. It's it's. Um, it's a lot more of a small town feel and I like that. I like that a lot. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I do. Uh, oh, um, a question from one of my grade 10 students here. Uh, she wanted to know what the process was when you compose a new piece of work. Um, golly, that, it depends a little bit on what the nature of the work is. Sometimes it'll be a commission for a school and there'll be a deadline attached to it. So, you know, I'll talk to the director and see what the parameters are, you know, what, what sections are strong, if they want to do a section feature or how the rhythm section's working or, you know, just get a feel for what the band is about. And then my main incentive then is when the teacher says, I need it by X, Y, Z, I need it by a certain date. So that's when you sort of make the process. You just sit down and, and, figure something out. Um, other times it, it happens more organically where um, I'll be, this is going to sound silly, but I'll be like, uh, I'll have a tune that I'm working on that I, I'm stuck on a place. And I, like that night as I'm drifting off to sleep, an answer will sort of work itself out in my head. Uh, and oftentimes that sounds just fine i mean and luckily i remember it the next morning so <laughs> i i mean that, that that does happen occasionally i some tunes are easy to write they just like i don't know why they just kind of spill out and and other ones are just <laughs> just an absolute grind you know like oh my god i can't get past the fourth measure i'm just you know stuck and, and or you write something and you hate it well, um, like this, uh, the tune, that's how we roll the jazz oh, tune. Um, yeah. my students did that one in Alberta and, uh, like that's just, that's just a fun little tune, you know, that's, that's a great, that's a, that's a great one. And, uh, you know, it's the, 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 the how, how it repeats and how, how it goes and back and forth and it's just neat. But, um, it's interesting because, you know, my students and I, we, we, we have talked about composing and what it'd be like. And, and of course, in jazz there's so, so much improv right and oh, sure. you know yeah. it just breaks my heart with everything that's happening with with COVID-19 and we were supposed to go to there was 50 of us going to Anaheim the Anaheim Heritage Festival in California we we're going in May 
for almost five days. And of course it got canceled and we were ready with our festival pieces and ready to be adjudicated and everything. And then of course our, my jazz, my, my combo, my junior, my seniors, we were also ready to go. And they were just so ready and rehearsed. We were just so on par, ready to go. And it just broke my heart that we weren't, we weren't able to of course compete anymore. And their solos and one of my students, my upright bass player, he, his solos, he was just so ready to compete. And it just, you know, they're, how much they've improved over this past year in my senior jazz. It's, uh, you know, you think about these pieces and you think about when you're composing them and how these solos will work into them. It's, it's just amazing. And then you, you know, when all these performances all across North America that aren't going to happen, like it just yeah. blows my mind. Yeah. It, it's really um, devastating. And, and especially for kids that are in a senior group that are working, that have been yeah. working towards that and they might not have the opportunity to do that again. Like, I mean, assuming we get back into it next yeah. year. Yeah. That's, that's just tragic. They have put on all their, you know, all their hats. They have become composers and they have made all their little, you know, their improvs and their solos. And they've, they've written down all their little notes and everything they want to do and all their little pieces and they, they're ready to go. And now it's like lackluster and their performances and they're now they're stuck at home having these yeah. online sessions and it's, yeah. uh, my heart goes out to them. Yeah, that's really hard. Uh, and I've, I've talked to lots of teachers who are, who are in that same boat. They were, uh, here in Wisconsin, our solo and ensemble season was just, you know, kids have been working on their duets and trios and, and uh, uh, you know, solo repertoire and everything. And it just it all came crashing down. So there was, it just, everything got canceled. Yeah. And I'm sure the combo jazz is really huge out there as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of improv and yeah. When yeah. was the season, when was the festival about to occur? Well, it's, it happens over multiple weeks throughout the state. So um, it's, I think the first one, they might have gotten the first one in. It might have been like around March 3rd or 4th. And then they'll do them um, at various sites throughout the state, throughout March and into April. And then there's the, like the, the kids that are playing in class A, the, the, the top division, if, if they get, uh, if their rating warrants it, then they go on to the state competition that happens uh, later on in May. Well, they'll, they'll play the same music again and, and get another rating for, a, you know, the, where, the, where the judge is a little bit um, uh, stricter, you know, is looking for more nuanced performances at that point. So a composer such as yourself, knowing, knowing what it takes to make that music and the hard work going into it and everything, um, everything that goes into it, what kind of advice could you give to, you know, my students at home uh, now that they're alone and they're, you know, they're, they're secluded from the rest of their peers? Um, some advice that you could give them uh, before, you know, not knowing sort of the uncertainty, whether or not we're going, getting back together for a year in concert. Um, what, what kind of tips you could give them sort of at home uh, to keep up with their, their practicing? Well, let's see. From the writing standpoint, yeah. um, what, what would be really cool is to write 
um, something for a solo instrument for an instrument that they don't play. You know, like it, oh, since I'm a woodwind player, I would I would well first I'd write something for oboe, and then I would send it to an oboe player friend of mine and say, I can hear what it sounds like. Uh, um, or even just send it to him and say, does, does this, can you play this on oboe? I mean, where does it lay? You know, is it too high? Is it too low? Do you need to take a breath somewhere? But, but just giving them the chance to uh, start getting some idea of what the various instruments can do that, that they don't play themselves. Mm. Um, I, I found that to be really valuable over the years. I, I tried to make, um, I, I, I'm not a rhythm section player, obviously, so I tried to make lots of bass player friends and guitar friends and and drummers and saying, well, how do you do, the, you know, how do you make this work? You know, somebody's got to come in on the end of three. How do you set that up uh, to make it happen? So it, it's um, now might be a good time to do that because it's so hard to get an ensemble to play together. Yeah. But you could, you could, you, I mean, you could have your kids sharing stuff back and forth if they're interested in writing and just say, write a melody and have different instruments play it so you can hear the timbres. It'd be like a little orchestration class too. Yeah. And that's, that's one thing, fun thing, um, you know, something that I'm finding hard. I've had my two online classes, but uh, I mean, how, how do you get everybody to play together? You know, when you have this many students, it's, yeah, it's problematic, right? It's, Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You just can't do it. No. I mean, no. um, yeah. So are, are you, are you doing like one-on-one -on -one lessons with them or? Um, I definitely can, but for now, like we just, we just got started and, uh, you know, first meet and greet, see how everybody's doing, but then also the initial, um, let everybody get started on what their, I recommend a, you know, a twos were and then, what they have to do with their practicing skills at home. But then also uh, just sort of getting um, the idea of what they need to record, uh, record at home, their self playing. And then, then I can give them feedback on how everything's going, sort of what everything sounds like at home. And then I can uh -huh. give them some feedback, but also online uh, the idea of what they'll sound like when they play together. So I, I did attempt that our last session, but it's uh, it was just too difficult. There was just too much sound coming through. Yeah. Head. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you get a little bit of delay and then it's, yeah, the feedback. Yeah. Right, right. You get loops happening and yeah, that's very difficult. But and then the idea, um, similar to what you're mentioning, well, there's just too many sessions, right? So when there's junior jazz, combo jazz, senior jazz, and then when there's junior orchestra and senior orchestra, well, how do you differentiate with people are, uh, you know, everyone's at just too many different levels? Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And just learning a variety, a wide variety of music. I mean, the combo jazz students, they're doing a song by Leo P that they learned in the, you know, he learned in the subway and it's a mixture between funky town and, you know, um, I feel good. And oh my God. the whole thing is just solos, right? And they just were so excited to perform it. I bet. <sighs> yeah. Oh, wow. That's a drag. Well, that sounds really exciting. Yeah. The, the, that's one of the things I love about jazz is the, the the, I mean, at the heart of it is this improvisational thing that yes. that you can you can um, kids become creators much faster than they uh, than they do playing just um, concert literature. 
I mean, not that I advocate that we should have a jazz ensemble instead of a concert band or an orchestra. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't think that's the case, but it, the whole jazz thing gives them a whole nother outlet that they wouldn't have otherwise. And, and I, I've had, I, I was a high school band director for a number of years and I've had kids, I was writing at the time. So yeah. um, I would write something and take it into school and, and have the kids play it and see what it sounded like and see if it worked. No, it's too hard. No, it's too easy. And, and that got some of the kids hooked on, well, hey, how did you, how do you do blah, blah, blah. So then all of a sudden there were these other kids who were trying to write stuff for the band. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, it turned out to be a great experience. And mm -hmm. it, it was fun for me. That was back in the days that was pre-computer. So we were all just like copying out scores and parts and, uh, you know, all by hand. Yeah. Yeah. So. And but, I'm sure, did you find that you were always adjusting the scores and you're changing the score and you're finding that you're adding, you know, your own feel to the scores? you know, constantly and, oh, I think I want to just adjust this here and I want to sort of just add this here. Did you find that you were doing that? Yeah, I mean, I would do that to stuff that, that I hadn't written. I mean, at somebody else's music, I, I would say, yeah. well, let's, let's let's open up the solo section and not do blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Let's, let's start at the back and, and then we'll come back to the front. Or Yeah, I mean, there's just so much more opportunities to be creative that, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't do with a, awesome. uh, you know, uh, uh, Paul Hindemith Symphony for Band, you wouldn't start messing with it really. You know? <laughs> well, there's that too. I mean, there are, there's just certain, certain artists. Yeah. You, you definitely just don't want to mess with the music, but I, I, I will fully admit I fell prey to that. We'll, we'll be, we'll be studying a piece in class and I'll go, you know, let's, I, I always, I always say, this, let's put the, the, the VSS style to this. And I'll say, okay, what do you feel you want to do with this measure? And, you know, kid will pop his hand and go, I think we should add this, this to it. You know, we'll put a marcato here. Well, let's do a fermata. And yeah, you're right. No, we need to add this little feel to it. I think we should do a solo in here. And because oh. we, we need to, we need to change it up. It, sometimes it's just too lackluster, you know, or even if it's just the grade eights actually that I had last semester, some of the pieces were too easy for them, so we would need to make them harder, put it up okay. an octave, or you know, just simple things, right? Yeah, right, absolutely. Uh, yeah, and I really enjoyed that. And then also, then you realize too that the kids are they're they're taking up that challenge, and they realize they're a part of the the artistry, and and they get excited. And yeah, then they do put on that composer hat, and they get excited about it. And right. I'm so glad I'm not the only one that does that. <laughs> no, that that's that was really. Um, the, I always thought that that was so much fun to do. And, yeah. and um, one, one of my greatest struggles was, was trying to teach improvisation, like during, during the regular rehearsal. Yeah. I mean, you, you have to really, cause some kids get, get it right away and other kids don't want to have anything to do with, you know, like standing up and playing a solo. That's just not what they yeah. Um, high, yeah. Yeah. So it was, uh, I found some ways that I could incorporate that into the regular rehearsal and get more kids involved. And once, once they saw a freewheeling thing where they could stand up and play a whole note and then another whole note and everything would, that, yep. That, yep. you know, it just, it just opened up a lot of doors. Yeah. yeah. What fits into that measure other than what's there? Let's play around with it. I right, exactly. absolutely agree. Yeah. Okay. So it, it, it starts on one. You can play anything you want, but you can't start on one. You have to start on, you have to start with a rest. And that's like, they can't do that. You know, it's like, okay, da 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 da. 
I got, uh, no, no, I got to start on one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so great. Yeah. No, and, and you know, it's interesting. I, I had a couple of bandages in my past that were, they, they didn't believe in that. It was, uh, you know, you had to play what was there. Yeah. If you go against the music, it's, you can't do that. But, uh, yeah. and then I, I, I completely just changed the way I looked at music and decided that now it's, you, you can't do this anymore. You have, you have to start to be, um, think outside of the box. And, uh, it, it, it just, it did number, it just, it, it completely changed the way that I, that I started teaching and the kids absolutely loved it. And I, I found that they, they did so much better with it and they excelled faster and mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. yeah get, getting them involved in the process in as many ways as you can is always a good thing. I think. I really like your idea about the jazz though. I'm, not, I'm definitely going to mention that. Uh, did I have any other questions here from students? I have a couple more. Um, I mentioned that one about, about the influences. Oh, um, what is your, what is a, a current uh, favorite piece that is not your own, uh, that you're, th that, you know, you're, you're, you know, that you're really, really influences, really influenced you that is, you know, not really your current piece. Uh, let's see. Well, um, I've been listening to a lot of Gordon Goodwin tunes lately. Oh. Uh, just because I think he's really the the sound of the band and his writing technique and the the way he develops tunes and and the soloists in that band are so good. I, it's just I really like just listening to that music for enjoyment. You know, like I'm I'm not necessarily trying to study it. I'm just you know digging the music. Um, yeah. So, uh, um, yeah, I've been sort of on a little Gordon Goodwin kick lately, um, but I like Bob Minster's big band, and I, I I love Bob Minster's quartet music too. The the things he does with a jazz quartet, as well as the things he's recorded with the Yellow Jackets. Um, so he's 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 a he's a unique composer and and a unique saxophone player. He's certainly got his own his own style of writing and you, like most composers who are well-developed, you can, you can, uh, you can tell who it is by the first couple of chords or the way something is voiced or how the band sounds. You're like, Oh, that's Ellington or that's Gordon Goodwin or that's Bob Mincer. Uh, it's Bill Holman. Uh, Sammy Nestico for sure. You can tell. Um, so um, when I said before I was trying to find, you know, like my voice, I'm still looking for that. Whereas where I, I don't, I don't think I have a signature harmonic sense of myself yet. I'm still trying to work on it. I better hurry up too, because I'm not getting any younger. <laughs> There's still lots of time. Yeah, I hope so. I look, I look forward to, to definitely many more pieces. Um, and, uh, oh, any career advice you can pass on to my students? Um, yeah, get, get as involved in as many things as you can, you know, like singing choir, uh, you know, playing band, playing orchestra, if you have that opportunity, um, and, and get to know kids who don't play your instruments and figure out how they work because that when you when you start writing 
that's half the battle. If you understand how, how, um, knowing that a saxophone is not, yeah, a, a low B flat is that's, you can play, but it's not going to sound great by itself. You know, it's going to sound real honky. And, um, uh, so knowing the, the, the good parts of the registers for instruments and that sort of thing, I, I, that, that really helped me while I was growing up just, Anytime, and if they're if they're interested in writing, just tell them to write, and have people play it, even if it's not a whole band piece, even if it's just a melody or a duet or something, just so they can start to hear what it sounds like. Plus, when you write something and hear it back, it's like this: oh my god, that's so cool! I love that. You know, just the experience of of hearing something you wrote. Um, but getting involved in a lot of stuff is, you know, like we said before musicians are not one track people we're, we're doing all sorts of stuff in multiple styles of music mm -hmm. so that that's you know the the more you can do to not pigeonhole yourself into a certain style but the more opportunities you'll have as, yeah. as a player too if you're like if you're a guitar player um you have to play more than just um, rock and roll guitar you have to know how to play uh, jazz guitar and you have to know how to play different styles you have to know how to play yeah. um, you know what what uh, calypso would sound like you know you, you have to you have to be versatile on your instrument and not 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 just get locked into one thing yeah so true so true uh, that is all the questions that I have okay yeah definitely well it's great so it's I, I would love to hear your band sometime, and I, I bet they sound terrific. Oh, thank you. Um, well, I've been working with them for the last three years, and they have they've come so far. Before before I was here, they had uh, they had you know very very limited experience with festivals, and so they they went to their first festival, and then I opened up the jazz program and the orchestra program, and everything just skyrocketed and it was just it's just been such a wonderful wild ride and so they we started competing at festivals and then we then the jazz band uh we started going you know to you know compete as well and it's just it's just been phenomenal experience oh, for them it's yeah it's just wonderful so this year the final of the year in concert uh i'm, I'm hoping it still happens but it would have been i mean phenomenal we had uh you know five cello players and violins and a, well I think there was I have I think it's four or five upright bass players it's just wow amazing just amazing I just I was and the music that we had picked out was just fantastic oh and I you know I really believe that you know the students um it's important that not only are they enjoying the music that they're playing but they have a part in picking up the music so of course um I had given given them some ideas but that they had also picked up the music uh, and yeah, and then 50 of us were going to the Anaheim Heritage Festival, and the last time I heard them perform, so we have these mass band practices, and so when we were practicing in March, they were ready. They were absolutely ready, and it was just, I, I, I can't express to you how much my heart is just, is so torn for the fact yeah. that now yeah. we can't go, and a lot of them have never even traveled before to the U.S., and it, right. would, it would have been such an amazing experience for them. So I, I really hope that they can still go. Uh, we could still make it work for next year. Yeah. Um, but of course, some of my main players, I mean, they're graduating, right? Right, right, right. 
Yeah, that's hard. <sighs> so it's uh, it's that's it's, happening with programs everywhere. It's unfortunate for the the seniors. Yeah. yeah. So well, it's Emily. Yeah. We we appreciate you taking the time to do this for us, and uh, we hope your students will get something out of it. And uh, we especially, you know, hope that uh, other teachers will use this and hear all the good things Blair has to say. And we're excited about the, the new jazz program at Celsius. And uh, we're going to try to keep it rolling. Oh, my goodness. I, I can't thank you all enough. I mean, this is, this is phenomenal. I, I wish both of you all the best as well and to stay healthy and stay well. And you too. I, yeah, I mean, thank you. Just thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks, Emily. Yeah, I appreciate care. it. Thank you. Okay. Bye now. Thank you for listening to another episode of From the Composer. If you want to hear more of these podcasts, please subscribe or go to the Excelsior Music website at excelsiamusic.com. I'm Larry Clark. Thank you for listening.